Welcome to another episode of National Energy Talk. I'm Mark Stansbury. Today we have a special guest. He has been around the oil and gas industry for decades. He and I have been associated in different ways throughout the years as far as committees and boards. And he's a great leader in the oil and gas industry, the energy industry in Oklahoma and actually nationally. And we appreciate all that he's done through the years. I'm going to introduce to you David A. Guest. David, welcome to National Energy Talk. Well, good afternoon, Mark. I appreciate this opportunity to uh, speak with you today. Well, there's so many things that uh, I know we can cover. And uh, of course, now with all the energy challenges ahead, not only uh, locally and nationally and internationally, we, we, of course, we think of this geopolitical to uh, the inflation, to recession, potential, all these different issues before us. But uh, I think it's important that uh, we definitely talk about certain issues today. Can't cover it all as far as the oil and gas industry. But I would like to start off with really, uh, I know we have some college students and others that this could be inspiring too, is uh, those that would like to know more about David and uh, talk about, uh, if you will, where you began in the oil and gas industry and how you began uh, to be, get, be involved, who were your mentors, and, and a little bit about your journey of life. I'll say probably the greatest mentor I had was my father, Robert. I grew up in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, I can remember early on as a teenager going to the Creek County Courthouse. My father, who was raised in Creek County, ended up, uh, you know, he worked for a major oil company in Tulsa. He was a purchasing agent. He, you know, when he graduated high school, he went directly into the Navy, was trying to be a naval aviator but the war ended before his training so he did use his gi bill and attended what was then tulsa business school which later became tulsa university and upon graduating from uh, tulsa business school he went to work for sun oil company and was a purchasing agent for them and bought everything from pipe to cars so he was not a engineer nor a geologist but a on the business side and as an investment, my father went back to Creek County, went and buy raw land and subdivide that into 10 acre tracks. And so I can remember going to the Creek County Courthouse and learning how to check records and run title. And I always found that interesting and fascinating. So I thought early on, I would like to be a land man. And that's how I kind of got started in the oil and gas industry and went to Oklahoma State for two years, ended up going to the University of Oklahoma for the petroleum land management degree and now called energy management. It's kind of broadened its scope from just land management, but the energy trading and other issues within the oil and gas industry. But uh, one of the fascinating things I find about running title is the history behind ownership. And that's, uh, that's probably the most fascinating portion that I enjoy about uh, running title, but did the landman work for a number of years, became a small independent oil and gas producer back when in Oklahoma, when the major companies were divesting following Penn Square in the late 80s, early 90s, the majors were divesting packages and I bought a few small stripper marginally producing well leases and kind of dipped my toe as a, a small independent producer and uh, been doing that for Yikes, Mark, you're going to make me tell my age. Uh, between, between two and three decades, I've been a small producer. And, and currently, uh, I'm trying to phase out of uh, 
being a producer and trying to slow down in my life. And But during those times, I've always been buying minerals. And that's kind of why I say I bring the voice of reason between the mineral owner and the producer. You know, I try to be the voice of reason on the fence to both sides. So that's uh, kind of a little bit of my background. I've enjoyed the oil and gas industry. It's been great to me, been great to my family throughout the years. And a lot of a lot of history. You know, I think my grandfather was uh, roused about. You know, my father's father came to Oklahoma to get rich picking cotton coming up from Texas, but because of the Dust Bowl and bull weevils, ended up working in the oil field. And so I guess I'm third generation oil oil field person. But uh, love it dearly. As you mentioned earlier in the introduction, and you know, you and I have served on some committees together and associations and met a lot of wonderful people such as yourself throughout the years. Well, I appreciate that, David, and appreciate your, again, your leadership and, and what you mean to the oil and gas industry in Oklahoma, because you're not, not just uh, giving of your time as far as being a landman and uh, uh, involved in the, in the uh, production side and so forth, but you also give back to these associations you're talking about. You provide a lot of expertise and time, and I want to talk about that. Because uh, we're in a uh, in a state state that's uh, has such great natural resources. Um, we think of just oil and gas, but we're we're a leader in wind, hydroelectricity, on and on. And you've been involved in so many different areas of energy, specifically oil and gas. And tell about the associations you're currently working on. I know OEPA. If you'll tell about that, as well as how folks can get in touch with them, and also uh, about NARO, OK NARO, and and other things that you want to provide. Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned, OEPA is the Oklahoma Energy Producers Alliance and was started about five years ago, and it is formed of mainly vertical well producers, the historical people have been in the state for decades, mainly or family-owned and generational-owned companies going um, no, we have about 535 members, mainly Oklahoma, but also members in Texas, Kansas, and Arkansas. Again, we're mainly family-owned companies, and like I said, uh, mainly vertical well producers. We do have, you know, we some of our people participate in some of the horizontal wells, but once again, we're mainly vertical well. Historically, what are called marginally producing wells, you know, typically. Uh, low oil production, high water production count, and typically the economics are very slim. And we were just trying to get out those last few drops from uh, underneath the ground. Is there a website for OEPA? Yes, it is. It's OK Energy Producers, that is plural with an S, dot O-R-G. They're having a, a golf tournament in Tulsa at the Hard Rock facility October 9th and 10th. And that's always a big, personally, I'm not a golfer, but it's always a big event for people. So if anybody's interested in, in golf and want to meet other people in the oil and gas industry, we'd love to have them participate in that. And that, again, that's October 9th and 10th in Tulsa. And we just had our annual meeting about three weeks ago in Oklahoma City, had a good attendance, some excellent uh, sessions. We also include, had a uh, Bitcoin mining session. Hmm. So, you know, that's a topic that's... Uh, kind of hot right now and yes it's one of the issues that we're dealing with in oklahoma and on the royalty owner side and it uh, the session that we had kind of 
more or less built into cryptocurrency. It really didn't delve into the actual mining, the use of, of non-marketable natural gas on location for the use of uh, generators to, you know, for the miner computers. So I think that's going to be a future session. Because, you know, we, again, we had our session there in Oklahoma City and you know, two miles away, I know of a well that's using natural gas to mine Bitcoin. I think another topic that's going to be, I'm going to kind of delve into the royalty, both the royalty side. And I'll say the, the members of OEPA are also royalty owners since they're, they're individuals and families that have farms and ranches. And so, you know, everybody that's a member of OEPA is kind of on the mineral side who as well, similar to my story, but something that's come up, and I don't know, Mark, if you've touched on this previously, about uh, you know lithium production and other you know, uh, heavy metals that are coming out of saltwater evaporation that uh, is coming to light that could be of value to surface owners and mineral owners. Yeah, please share that, if you will. Well, you know, today I really don't have much detail. I know it's a topic now of oil and gas leases going forward. That's a subject that's going to have to be breached. You know, there's a uh, operation down in uh, sparse southwestern Arkansas where they're mining lithium out of, uh, when I say mining lithium, it's, you know, an evaporative process where they're taking produced salt water and evaporating it through several methods in uh, obtaining lithium and other heavy metals to be used, like in computer production, you know, as well as other types of uh, industry. But that's going to be coming to Oklahoma. You know, we already have helium production, as you know, side associated products and up in the Oklahoma Panhandle. And I'm sure you're familiar out there and out at Southern where we're you know, mining other products from saltwater production, specifically iodine out there in, uh, at, at Southern, those productions. So it's kind of interesting, Mark, I'll say as a, as a mineral owner that I not only get paid for oil production, natural gas production, but for helium and iodine. So I enjoy that. And helium and iodine pay very well as far as a per, per unit price. Well, by the way, I want to mention uh, before we go to NARO, talk about NARO, but congratulations. I understand that you were uh, OEPA Member of the Year and uh, received that award at the convention. So we're excited for you. Thank you for your efforts. Uh, and uh, now on to NARO. NARO stands for the National Association of Royalty Owners. And then OK NARO is the Oklahoma affiliate chapter. NARO is all about education and in the past has done some lobbying efforts in Washington, D.C., but today's main focus is educating royalty and mineral owners, especially on the uh, initial leasing side and management. That's something that I try to tout every time I tell, speak with people is you have to manage your oil and gas assets, your minerals, just like any other income producing asset. You have to actively manage your minerals, just like you manage your rental real estate or your farm or your cattle, stocks and bonds. So I try to try to hammer that home to people that you have to actively manage your minerals and with accounting, record keeping, tax preparation, and think about generational transfer as well. Uh, Oklahoma Nero just had their annual convention in Oklahoma City and had a, a great attendance there as well. Some good speakers. The NARO National Convention, like I said, Oklahoma NARO just had their convention about three weeks ago. But the National Convention, which rotates around the country, they in the past they've been, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Dallas, San Antonio, the Woodlands, Pittsburgh, Las Vegas, other cities back east. We feel like so we've kind of rotated 
around the country in the past years. But for 2022, it's going to be in Tulsa, October 10th, 11th, and 12th. And it'll be held at the Tulsa River Spirit Casino. And again, for NARO, their website is naro-us.org. And again, that's a wonderful educational event for mineral owners. And again, that's the NARO National Convention to be held in Tulsa, October 10th, 11th, and 12th. And they're kind of transitioning into what used to be the Marginal Well Commission. It's now known as the Sustaining Oklahoma Energy Resources Committee. And their annual trade expo, which is a big event, the trade expo is a one-day event, have about 3,000 people walk through that one day to trade show for oil and gas operators and producers, suppliers. And it's going to be Thursday, October 13th, 2022 in Oklahoma City at the Oklahoma City Fairgrounds and the wonderful Bennett Center. It's It's free to attend. So one-day event, one of the highlights that we hear from everybody is the free Head Country Barbecue Lunch. That's another wonderful company, Oklahoma company out of Ponca City. But the website to register for the Trade Expo is okoilexpo.com. Once again, that's free to attend Thursday, October 13th in Oklahoma City at the Fairgrounds Bennett Event Center. I can't help but think of all those, and I'm not going to get all the names, I'll, I'll touch on a couple I, that were so inspirational to me and that were involved with the trade show back in the early days. I mean, back, I was, I was thinking when you said wonderful uh, Bennett Center, it is because uh, at one point it was, it was held at uh, a location uh, that uh, didn't have any uh, concrete, I believe, if I remember right, but it wound up that uh, concrete floors, that is, it wound up that uh, I think of uh, John A. Taylor and, Mac Alloway, people that really worked hard to get this trade show off the ground. And they, they did a lot of work with the Marginal Well Commission as well. So I, I honor those folks um, today. And, and, and I know you have others that probably I should, should list as well. But I, I think that uh, we've had so many mentors along the way. One more name is John C. Godwin out of Altmulgee. The day before the Trade Expo on that Wednesday, the 12th, is the annual John C. Godwin Memorial Golf Tournament. So for, for you people that are golfers, there will be a golf tournament the day before the uh, Trade Expo on October 12th. And like I said, that is a memorial golf tournament in the memory of John C. Godwin, who's a wonderful man, and wonderful oil and gas producer, a, a shriner, and just a wonderful man. I, I can't help but think of the time that uh, I think it was a marginal well commission meeting uh, at one of the resorts. And uh, he, uh, I wasn't much of a golfer, and uh, he gave out different awards. He gave me an award, and I said, I didn't know I did that well. He said, you didn't. <laughs> he said, but we, we make sure everybody feels good. <laughs> so, so I still have that put uh, in a high, a nice location, you know, so I can say that I, mean, I actually had some golf experience. But uh, You have won a golf award. I've won a golf award, and he's got this always a big smile. You know, you can't help but think of John even to this day. Uh, and Mac too. Mac and John, they were just wonderful. There's so many others. I I just I get started. It could be a whole program. We probably ought to have a program on those that got us to this point. Really, it's uh it's it's wonderful. Absolutely. You have a title called CMM. What does that stand for, and what what does that provide? That is a certification through the National Association of Royalty Owners, and it's called a Certified Minerals Manager. 
and that is a destination that requires uh, educational requirements as well as ongoing continuing education, whereas it's just a professional designation. And again, trying to promote and help educate people to properly manage their mineral assets. And again, the CMM program is a big outreach for to help people teach and help share knowledge on proper techniques for mineral management. We have a lot of trust officers that are CMMs. We have a lot of family members. You know, typically a lot of families will designate one person to be their contact point for their mineral leasing and check receipts. And so, you know, we try and educate those family heads of family organizations as well. And I feel I feel fortunate. I am CMM number P for professional number thirty four. So that goes back about 18 years, I think, when I redid my certification here a couple of months ago. Well, you mentioned, I think you have about 30, 30 35 years of experience, correct? Yes, sir. Because I remember that about the time I got involved with a certain organization. Well, anyway, uh, I, w- I have 45 years, and I'm loving still being in the energy industry. It's sure challenging, though. My goodness. I mean, uh, to thank all the challenges we have, and and, uh, and yet we, we still have some legislation and some some opportunities there to help what tell us what you did this past year and what's in line and store for legislation in the future absolutely some here in oklahoma you know some key legislation was authored by uh, oepa along with other industry partners and we you know authored and or endorsed other legislation by other industry partners the first item that comes to mind is was Senate Bill 1352, which was the Consumer Energy Choice Act, and that was brought to the forefront. Whereas it uh, prohibits cities, towns, and counties from adopting rules limiting consumer access to energy choices, and that was kind of kind of pre- preempt what's been going around in a few states around the country that are limiting specifically uh, the use of natural gas and new construction. And specifically, uh, I can think of examples in California. I believe there's 13 or 14 communities that have already enacted legislation that prevents the use of natural gas on new builds or remodels for uh, for kitchen use and or home heating. And so that would uh, trying to prevent that here in Oklahoma. And I came across a story over the weekend just kind of explains that uh, the use of natural gas now it can be affected prohibiting the use of natural gas it says that in san francisco that the korean korean wok kitchens might be shut down because they use natural gas with their walks on the gas stovetops and so that would affect a whole whole community sub-community there in san francisco so that made national news Uh, and the next item up and this was a very important and this was a a key legislative effort by oepa was house bill 3568 and this was restoration of oil and gas economic incentives and item one was uh, on new enhanced recovery projects and uh, for your listeners enhanced recovery is typically what we call secondary and tertiary recovery and typically that's where Salt water is used for reinjection to maintain reservoir pressure, or other methods can be used such as CO2. And steam would also be an enhanced recovery. And I can also mention, I don't know if Mark you're aware of, by a application by one of the Oklahoma City downtown companies that's going to do a multi-township 
application in, uh, I believe it's what, Stephen, Northern Stevens County that's going to be injecting produced natural gas back into reservoirs. And so that's in the planning stations. That's been filed. There's been no uh, hearing on that yet, but that's that's a huge, huge project. But uh, getting back to the, the House bill, it allows a reduction in the gross production tax paid by the operator and working interest owners in order to recover the extensive capital costs to start these enhanced recovery projects. There's a have to reconfigure piping and tankage, but more importantly is the increased electrical infrastructure that has to be put in and the piping for the injection wells. So it's very capital intensive cost up front. And so we've in, we're able to get past a uh, reduction in the gross production tax for five years. There's a $15, $15 million cap per year on this incentive. But in something that OEPA, and this was my personal push, is that was actually made it and stayed in the bill throughout the legislative process, was that no entity may claim more than 20% of the incentive because we were afraid that larger companies may come in and set up, start producing these enhanced recovery projects and take you know, 50% or 80% of the cap, $15 million cap. So we wanted to be fair. And so like I said, we were able to have that. No one company can have more than 20% of that incentive. So I think that was, for me, that was a personal win that, you know, trying to be equitable to all companies, the small producers, as well as the larger producers. That's excellent. One thing that comes to mind, uh, and, and I was going to interject this a minute ago because of uh, my concern is that, you know, as far as nationally, internationally, uh, we've got uh, some definite big challenges ahead. On a local scale, or at least on a statewide, I'd say state of the state, uh, we're in, in wonderful position. Doesn't mean we're uh, in the greatest position, but we, we have, when, when it comes to workforce, when it comes to reliability, when it comes to infrastructure, could you elaborate on that? Because uh, I know that there's a workforce that we're trying to maintain because it's, you know, the retention of, of the workforce and recruitment is definitely something in front of us. But it seems like we're in better shape maybe than others because of the universities and the research and the technology centers and so forth. If you will elaborate on that, because I know there's those that are listening outside the state. Uh, those that may need work, actually, and uh, need a future. And I think the energy industry and the oil and gas industry is a great future. Um, and and uh, you might uh, elaborate more on that, please. Absolutely. And, and, and Mark, I am a big proponent of the Oklahoma Career Tech, you know, originally called Votech, Votech. It's now called Career Tech. But Oklahoma has the best Votech Career Tech system in the United States. And unfortunately, I don't think it's utilized to its maximum. And so I am a big proponent of career tech. And you know, we, we need all levels of the workforce. You know, the OERB and SOAR help fund some uh, scholarships, you know, more at the technical or the STEM level and the geology and engineering. And I would like to see more attention given to the vo-technical or career tech level because we need people that can, you know, know how to use a rod wrench, can work on a pulling unit, drilling rig, 
manufacturer equipment. So STEM is very important, but we need all levels of STEM all the way from the ground up. And so I encourage people to become, you know, look at the opportunities in the Oklahoma career tech. You know, aviation is going great right now. You know, I think here at uh, Francis Tuttle in the Oklahoma City area is great on the uh, aeronautics. But uh, in the past, you know, out at Woodward, we've had uh, some rig training programs out there. And again, I think we need to emphasize that. But, uh, you know, Oklahoma, you know, University of Oklahoma has some great programs. University of Tulsa has a great engineering program. One of the uh, faculty members, you know, serves on the SOAR committee. He's a petroleum engineer. He's helping train the new petroleum engineers. They've got a project going on in North Tulsa now that uses developing a solar panel and battery system to use on remote pumping unit locations where there's no available gas or electricity. And so, uh, you know, that, that's a wonderful program. It's my understanding, I believe, that Governor Stitt visited that that site in the last month or so and was very encouraged by that project. So, you know, and Oklahoma State has a wonderful geology program. So a lot of opportunities for educational training within the state of Oklahoma. I think, uh, like I said, I learned early on that I enjoyed running title in the courthouse. I enjoy the history part of it. I don't know if I touched on that earlier, but I just I, I enjoy the genealogy and the history. How did how did people obtain their minerals from uh, their parents, their grandparents, and going all the way back? And so, to me, that's the interesting part. And I think, uh, Mark, you would probably agree that you have to enjoy, you have to like whatever job you do. Otherwise, it's not going to be very fulfilling for you. That's exactly right. And, and uh, wow, great state, great opportunities in the oil and gas industries, and uh, a great interview, David. I appreciate you being on here. I hope to have you back. I think we're just getting started. I, I uh, learned some things uh, about you and about uh, efforts here in the state that I wasn't aware of. So this is great. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. Listeners, uh, stay tuned for upcoming episodes of National Energy Talk. You've been listening to David A. Guest.